So uh, we're going to do a special episode uh, this week. Um, I'm Sarush. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Caleb. And I'm Sam. So yeah, we, we kind of have two guests and they have two guests. So right. Caleb and Sam host a show called Runtime FM. And Chris and I host a show called Fatal Error. And so if you're a listener of either of those shows, you're also getting kind of a bonus episode of the other show. And we thought we'd just all get together and uh, do a little a little joint episode and see where things, things see where things go. Yeah. So for today's episode, we uh, thought that we might discuss the um, the phrase not invented here that you might see abbreviated elsewhere as NIH. Uh, and I don't know, does someone else want to take a dive, um, take a stab at what that means? Or uh, should I? Go for it. Let's do it. Let's just dive right in. All right. So so not invented here. Uh, you can kind of tell from the phrase what the gist of it, uh, what sort of the gist of it is. Uh, it's a tendency that an organization or a team might have to uh, sort of just pass categorically on external, uh, external maybe tools, external dependencies in favor of reinventing uh, that particular wheel internally. And there are plenty of valid reasons to do that, right? Uh, there are concerns about taking on external dependencies that I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, but a lot of problems have already been solved uh, really well by other people. And so it can also be a harmful tendency. Yeah, so the the term is usually, um, usually it's said as like, as the Wikipedia article says, like the term is used, normally used in a pejorative sense. Like if you are like too good to use the dependencies that everybody else uses, then you're just wasting your time. Um, but sometimes I think also, especially with experience, you find that, uh, sometimes the opposite is true. And I was thinking maybe we could talk about, uh, our experiences with like when it's good to do, when it's good to rewrite it yourself, when it's good to use the dependency from someone else, when you don't have a choice in one way or in one way or another. So maybe talk about a little bit about our experiences with that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, uh, Sam and I have talked about this maybe a couple of times along the way. Um, and I know that like, I'm sure that all of us have strong opinions about this, but personally, like I definitely don't see this as a bad thing. Like I myself, and I wish others would be more like uh, diligent about, you know, due diligence uh, when looking at dependencies they th they're bringing to their software. And I think that like culturally, like iOS people have kind of gone down the rabbit hole of like, if I want to solve a problem, the first place I look is CocoaPods. And like, that's never my approach. And so I think there's like a lot of, there's like cultural things, there's like tooling things that make this thing kind of easy where like, I don't ever want to write something myself. I always want to use something else's tools. And like, there's so many problems with that. And uh, I think there's a lot we can uh, talk about. I've worked on a couple like very large apps that come in later and like, okay, now there's all this legacy code. Let's like figure out how to work on this. And a very common thing is to have like multiple like networking libraries or multiple animation libraries or whatever else. And it's not like, it's like, hey, we should remove all of these. And I'm not proposing like we make our own, like yet another networking library. It's like we just use like the Apple stuff and we don't need all these other dependencies. Um, I think usually when I'm like in the approach of like, let's remove some stuff, it's like, let's just use the Apple stuff, not, you know, all these dependencies. Right. Honestly, working on a project that has multiple networking libraries sounds like really horrible. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, um, on the last project that I started from scratch, I, the first dependency that I pulled in and the first time that I needed to use CocoaPods was for Mixpanel, which is like, mm. are you really going to write all the API endpoints yourself? Probably not. I have a Mixpanel library. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> Sam, has, Sam has done that. What, where can I find it? Because I feel it's like I might want to use it. Slash Mixpanel. Yeah. There you go. Boom. Put that in the show notes. 
<laughs> so that so that may be one reason that you take on an external dependency is it's for a service that uh, maybe you don't want to write against their API and replace their SDK, or in a lot of cases where an SDK is the only way to use some external service. Uh, but there are other cases where that's that's really not the case, like something with a networking library. Um, Caleb, you mentioned due diligence when considering whether to take up uh, to take on an external dependency. What are some of the things that you uh, or that any of us look for when we're trying to do that due diligence? Like, what does that mean to you? For me, I think like like a lot of the languages, there was like the uh, JavaScript thing a long time ago with the left pad or whatever, where like if a library does one really tiny thing, I'm okay taking that on myself. And if there's bugs in that, I'll, I'll find them, I'll fix them, I'll write tests, I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, and for things like that that are so tiny, like... I've seen people, there are whole CocoaPods for like managing the network spinner in the status bar on iOS. And like, that's a very tiny thing. And in our uh, shared framework at work, I have a class that is responsible for that. And all of our apps and frameworks can consume that. And it works just great. And now I don't have to have someone else's code to manage that. I don't have to have another library, another framework, another thing that gets loaded at, at runtime. And so I think like, I think how big is it is one aspect of it. If it's like a very, it's got a, a big library, active community, uh, a lot of traffic on GitHub, like I'm more open to it. And I also think I measure like general code quality. Uh, I know everyone has different measuring stick for that, but like personally, <laughs> I'll at least glance at the code. And if I see a lot of in Swift, especially if I see a lot of like force unwrapping and, you know, things that are optional everywhere that don't need to be and like it clearly wasn't very well thought out or everything is open. And it's like, like, I want people to think about their code running as a library in someone else's app and like try to be a good citizen of that. Um, and not everyone does. And so I think it's like, there's a number of factors, um, but I'll check all of those before I, before I add a dependency. I would throw in uh, test coverage as well. Yeah, um, that's right fair. Right up there with code quality. Is there a way that you've checked the test coverage or do you like download it, run the tests and then look in Xcode to see like how much of the of the app has or how, how much of the code base has test coverage? I mean, often uh, just looking at the test in the GitHub repository can give you a pretty good idea of whether this library, um, of whether someone thought about adding test coverage for the things right. that are important in this library. Uh, that's more often than not enough to give you, I think, right. a pretty solid idea of where the library is. I feel like the first question is just is there even a single test <laughs> <laughs> i'm guilty of that <laughs> yeah, having we, some without we all are. i think uh coco pods has done a decent job with this though is they have um like pod they call it health or pod score or something where like it'll show you test coverage readme coverage commenting or like documentation that kind of thing as like a general sense of the quality of the library and like Obviously, that's not perfect, and like you should still do your own research. But at a glance, it's really easy to tell. Like this thing has zero test targets, and like okay, we should think about that. Right. They call it the CocoaPod Quality Index. Yeah. So okay, we're looking for uh, really like well thought through code that solves a non-trivial problem, uh, good test coverage, and uh, an active community behind a dependency. So what are some things that we look for if uh, you're looking at a GitHub project? How do you tell if there's a healthy community? Uh, behind this project and, and whether it's a well-maintained project. I generally just look for like good documentation in the readme uh, or like in the, like, if they have like a link to like generate documentation somewhere. And if they're, you know, look at issues and if there's like a bunch of issues that are like years old, like in most of my repos, then like, cool, don't use it. But if there's like a bunch of stars and tons of closed issues and the open issues aren't super old, then I think that's a pretty good like way to judge quickly. Are the maintainers involved with this library or is this basically abandoned? Yeah, there's also like a, 
kind of a weird counter thing of, you know, sometimes libraries are just done. There's just nothing else that the author wants to add to it. And so it may not have a commit in the last two years, but it may be like a pretty good small thing. Maybe it doesn't apply for our industry because like, you know, Swift changes every year and there's breaking changes all the time. <laughs> so maybe it's just not a, as good of a metric as it could be for our industry. I know my keychain wrapper I haven't worked on in a super long time. There may be some commits, but it's like, you know, someone found a typo somewhere. I had to convert your MD5 thing to Swift 3 and it took me like six hours. It took me like the better part of a day. It was horrible. Really? It's, yeah. it's definitely already Swift 3. Oh, I think it may have been before it was Swift 3 or something. It was, there was some kind of situation. I don't know. That I remember that being painful when I did it. Yeah. It was uh, the, with unsafe bytes thing. It's just yeah. brutal. Yeah. That, yeah. I anyway. wrote mine in C to avoid <laughs> all of that. Yeah, and there's like a whole separate target just for the stupid like module map thing. Ugh, it's the worst. I and I wrote all of that so I could use it in Mixpanel to MD5 the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I made it's it. It's a sub-dependency right there. So writing that in C, of course, doesn't avoid the unsafe code. It just avoids the like unsafe wrapper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't have to think about it. That's all. Yeah. Everything in C, I think you could just assume Swift would call unsafe. <laughs> I know for most of my projects, I rarely use anything that I didn't write unless it's like something I have to use, like like uh, like a current client uses Instabug, so I have to use their thing. Right. So is that like a closed source SDK? Yeah. Uh, it's like a binary. Oh, yeah. So um, friends of both of our shows, I think uh, Matt Bischoff and Brian Capps, uh, when they worked at the Times, would often do like reviews of SDKs and if like, you know, product wanted some SDK for whatever to be in the app, they would go to the, to the company that provides the SDK and say, Hey, we need to look at the source code if we're going to um, put this in our project. And so then they would do a code audit and maybe even open a couple of pull requests on that thing to say like, like, is this actually good quality? Like, is this going to swizzle, you know, UI application send event and like, we're just gonna have to live with that for the rest of our lives or can we make it better? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're the times, you can do that. But, you know, in my situation, I show up as a contractor and they already made the decision. Right. They love Instabug. So, like, I'm. You just have no choices. Yeah. Yeah. But ideally, I think that's a great path. If it's something that your company uh, has the weight to pull off, I mean, uh, you will find some some pretty terrifying things in some of the closed source SDKs that people want you to add to your apps. Yeah, this definitely happened. Um, When I was at Rap Genius, there was an SDK that had a bug in it or it had too much logging. And I was like, and they didn't want to work on it because they had had like one person who was like a Java engineer write it three years ago. And we had to use it. And so I ended up giving, um, getting them to give me access to the source code. And I just saw the most horrible and horrific shit. It was just really bad. Sorry for cursing. <laughs> See, uh, so that, that reminds me of like, or that gives me another idea though is uh, when you bring in a dependency that has the dependencies, you're now responsible for like multiple levels of these things. And you mentioned logging, and that's what made me think of this, is I used to use, uh, and still kind of do, use Yap Database, which is a cool little key value store in iOS. And it relies on Cocoa Lumberjack for no reason, like only so it can have nice logging functions. And I get that like maybe you want that when you're working on the framework, but like you do not have the right to tell me that I have to have Cocoa Lumberjack for your framework to work. And uh, they like a little while after I complained about it, they added like a flag that you can turn off. And when you compile the code, you have to like if def this thing and it will like change the so it doesn't require Google Lumberjack. But like things like that, like whenever I see a big library that depends on 
It's like a, a analytics thing that requires AF networking. It's like, well, what if I don't want AF networking, you know? Right. Or what if I rely on a different version of AF networking? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, so that's something that in theory, uh, being able to ship totally dynamic frameworks that can hide their internal dependencies should fix that, right? So this is iOS programming where we're not allowed to have nice tools. So <laughs> that point. is pretty much out the window. <laughs> What's funny? I tweeted a while back because I was had to use a parse SDK for something, and there was like all these dependencies, and I was like, "This is ridiculous! Like, why? Like, I feel like something as like prominent as parse. I mean, back when that was a thing, shouldn't shouldn't have dependencies. You just like install their thing, and that's it. You know, it's like if the Mixpanel SDK depended on like a networking library, that would be not ideal. Um, and then a bunch of like JavaScript people are like, "Well, like, why? Like, they shouldn't need to like make all those things or vendor all this stuff because now like they won't get updates or whatever." Like. They were like super, they were very anti, like, you know, what we would prefer is just like everything has no dependencies that you would pull in for most things um, because they have like a good package manager, at least in their mind. I don't, I don't, I'm not qualified <laughs> to comment on that. I, I was debating with them like left pad and all that. And they're like, well, why would I write this code? Like this is tested and I didn't make it. Like, I'm just going to use that, you know, like the complete opposite of our view. And I didn't have any good reason. Like I, we, you know, debated it for a good 10 minutes while I waited for their hipster coffee to, <laughs> and I didn't have a good reason. Like I couldn't, neither of us had a reason to convince each other of the other point. It was just like their preference and our preference is kind of what we landed on. I mean, I think there's something we said, like Caleb and I have written stupid content mode math, like way too many times for aspect fit and all that junk. And I would love to never write that again, but I don't know if any like libraries are small that do that. So I'll probably do it again, which is, dumb but on the other hand i don't want a dependency that i don't trust to do that i don't know i'm like super torn with this whole world view as much as i like prefer to just keep everything small i'm not sh convinced that's like the best solution well that sounds like there's an opportunity for you to write a small library that does that and, does that. <laughs> and a small dependency manager that's designed for small libraries <laughs> no i mean i i was i'm kind of kidding but i'm also kind of serious uh there recently i've been using um, a bunch of small things that I've written for Swift projects over and over again. So there's like an object storage thing. It's like, you know, 100 or 200 lines of code, but it works. It works with all the things it needs to do. It's generic. There's the little promise thing that I wrote. Um, Sam, I know you have like a JSON parsing thing. I have one of those too. And I feel like if there were a world where there was a dependency manager that suggested that you should use really small dependencies and like a build system that enabled you to use, you know, more than 10 dependencies without crashing your app on launch, um, that we could have like a somewhat nicer thing. Cause there has to be a balance between like, if I have written JavaScript and you, the dependency tree that you get is completely crazy. It's just like thing depends on thing, depends on thing, five or six layers deep. And it works and it does have its benefits, but at the same time, like we, I guess we've all been burned in, in the different ways that it can go wrong as well. And so maybe the balance is like lots and lots of little tiny libraries. I don't know. I'm going to beat my uh, SPM drum again. Yeah, I, I hope that SPM is the is the answer to this, but I don't know where it is or when it's coming. So I feel like I feel like Swift itself and SPM are both answers to these problems, right? Because like one of the biggest issues that I have with bringing in a lot of Objective-C dependencies is like, okay am I going to name collide with something? Is there going to be some static function that names collide with static function in a different uh, library? Or are these things going to swizzle each other in incompatible ways or whatever? And like Swift 
removes the need or even ability in some cases for any of those things to be an issue. And then SPM, if you have the ability to build static libraries, now you suddenly have the ability to make very small, very safe libraries that are linked into your app once and then done. And like, if you need if you need a feature, it's going to be code size in your app somewhere, whether or not that's in the section of the binary that is static library code, or if that's in the section of binary that's your code, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but you're not like incurring a dynamic load time. And so I think like that takes away so many things for me. Like there are, there's whole classes of bugs that you can't even write in Swift uh, without doing the wrong thing. And so like, I feel less compelled to look over that code, for example. So when are we going to be able to use SPM on iOS projects? I do not know. <laughs> I, as far as I know, nothing has been said about iOS. Yeah. I'm really disappointed about that. Same. Like result, for example, like I've written result in every project I've worked on mm -hmm. in Swift, you know, just a little, you know, and you know, their result is much more full featured, like the whatever result everyone uses. Uh, Anti-typical like, Rob Rickson. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But I don't want to pull in a dependency and like yet another like dynamic library to load when the app loads. Like it's just not worth it. So I'd rather write like, you know, 20 lines of Swift than pull this in. But I think ideally I'd rather just use this because it's like tested and smarter people than me have thought about how to do this. Um, I don't know. I think we're all like skewed towards as small, like as little dependencies as possible because our ecosystem sucks. So I'll come out and say, I don't know if I'm quite as skewed toward as few dependencies as possible as, uh, as the rest of you are. I'm certainly, especially at work, I'm certainly careful about taking on dependencies, but there are a lot of things that just have been solved that I don't feel interested in reinventing and it's not really worth my team's time to reinvent. Like another of the things that we we look at before we take on a dependency, uh, and it's something that I don't think we mentioned before, is whether it's something that the team would be comfortable taking on and maintaining if we had to, right? Like if we had to take ownership of this code, could we, uh, is it a manageable code base? And some of the questions like, is it a quality code base? Are there tests also play into this? Right. I feel like ultimately you're assuming that responsibility for that code base as soon as you type like pod install. And that's the implicit thing that like most people aren't ready to do. Right. But I think it's, I mean, as long as you really do consider that, like this is something that we may have to maintain for at least long enough to move our code off of it to something else, maybe something that we wrote or maybe something, uh, some other third party library. Uh, as long as you take that into account as well as everything else that we, we've talked about. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not convinced that taking on dependencies is always such a, such a bad thing, right? So let me ask you this, when you start a new project, what uh, dependencies are like you can install first? Oh man, well, I haven't started a totally new project in, in a little while at this point. Uh, so I don't know if like, I what can... Do you feel like, what do you feel like you can't live without? What do you feel like is going to be useful in, I don't know, maybe every project that you work on or something? Like, what, what, uh, like give it, or here's another way to put it. Give us some examples of, y'all started a kind of a new app at the Times. Um, this is true. What are some examples of the dependencies dependencies that you've pulled in for that already? So some dependencies that we pulled in for this, uh, we pulled in Swifty Beaver fairly early in the project, thinking that it might be useful to have something that supports remote logging here. Uh, we're actually kind of TBD on whether we're actually going to set up remote logging, but uh, we wanted to have that um, capability. And we all, 
so that we, we're not polluting our entire code base with Swifty Beaver specific API. We uh, have wrapped that in our own logging API so we can swap that out under the hood. Uh, that's probably another good thing to do as long as you're taking on dependencies. Try to isolate them if you can so that you can swap, swap them out under the hood. Uh, we are using async display kit, which uh, did bring us a pretty nice performance improvement. Uh, sort of a big part of our app is a big collection view, right? And uh, async display kit is making that a, a very nice scrolling experience. Uh, let's see, what are some other things that we're using? We're using Yap database, uh, which again is something that I don't necessarily want us to write a persistence layer from scratch, but I also feel like uh, at least um, you know, at least some of us on the team would feel totally comfortable taking on that responsibility, at least for several months if we had to, uh, if the project were to be totally abandoned, right? Yeah, Yap doesn't seem like something that's like impossible to impossible to maintain. No, and I mean we we looked at that when we were deciding whether to take that on, right? But it it right. seems reasonable to maintain hypothetically. Um, let me ask this, would any of you bring in a, like we talk more about infrastructural stuff like uh, network clients and and persistence layers. What about like a UI library? Like there was, I remember a little while ago, like a form that when you like tapped on the label would like slide over here and it would like do like a fancy animation. Would you bring in a UI library? I generally don't. In my current project, I have two. Um, I did make my own float label thing with the fancy placeholder that moves up. Right, float um, label, that's what it's called. Because mine's like insanely small and simple, and the main implementation linked from the dribble shot is pretty complicated. Last I looked at it, I could be totally wrong, but they're already using Country Picker. Um, I'll put a link, I don't remember who it's by, but it's like a nice picker view that has flags next to each country name, um, that which would have taken forever to compile. And then there's some fancy like spinner thing they are already using, but it looks like totally fine. But I, I'm with Caleb. I generally try to avoid UI things because I don't know. I guess in seven, I haven't really used any because they were all like old looking. And then I never picked new ones since then. Yeah, I think for me, a lot of the times popular UI things will tend to have, I don't know what you would call this, but like everything is just overly customizable. And I never need that. I always want like, I want a 20 line view that is a little like, uh, modal progress HUD and I made one and like it's it's in our our code uh, our shared code framework at work and like I could have pulled in SV progress HUD or any of the others uh, but they all have customizations for everything and some of them have like iOS 6 branches where it looks different in that and like we don't need that code anymore and so it's like I'm running like for me all of that code ships in my app to the app store and if something goes wrong with it for some reason like now I'm on the hook for it and I'm not a fan of that um, so if it's like something that's small enough that I can build myself I'll I will build it so uh, the one sort of big UI pod that's in our app that we're rewriting is a pod that does the uh, like sliding side menu uh, for an iPad user interface. And that's something that we totally could build ourselves internally. We want to get something up and running here. The code looks pretty sane. And uh, we're, again, comfortable with in the future potentially forking it and sort of adopting it and making it our own or uh, just completely adopting the project uh, or moving away to some other uh, to some other library that does this. And in my mind that's really the that that's really kind of the key point here is is this something that you first of all are comfortable with the code that's there? Uh you're right, Caleb, that if it's overly customizable, right? That's not necessarily something that you are interested in taking on. Uh but if you're comfortable with the code that's there and feel like at some point you can fork this and make it your own uh with with some level of confidence, then 
I, I personally still feel okay with that. I think that's a really good example of a, a UI library that's like a good one to pull in because there's so much stuff with those like sliding panel things, like all the gestures and animations. Like I've started building one of those a while back because I was like, ah, I don't want a UI library. And I was like, this is going to take a super long time. I'm just going to pull in this thing. And then I was very happy with it. I don't remember which one it was, but yeah, I think that's a, a, a great example. Like you mentioned though, with the beaver thing, you encapsulated it. Do you do that with all of your dependencies if possible? Or like, What's your, and what about UI ones? How do you handle that? Uh, if if possible, we do prefer to do that, or I do prefer to do that. Uh, the UI ones, it's it's often harder, right? Just because, um, well, why is that? It seems like it's often harder with UI ones, but with something like a logging framework, that's obviously pretty trivial to wrap. Uh, something like uh, hockey is. Um, really, you have pretty limited exposure to the hockey API in your right. app anyway but you can wrap that behind its own little wrapper if you want. I think it's kind of a function of the surface area that the library exposes. Like if it's just a couple of functions that you need to expose, not so bad. Like if it's networking, you kind of just need one function to shuttle everything through. Um, But once you have like a UI library, there's like all kinds of weird customizations and you have to be working with that class through the whole thing and pass that through your system. And it becomes a little bit, a little bit harder to kind of wrap and try to hide those details away. I think one of, one of my favorite uh, things I'll look for in a library is how much of it is a singleton. Yeah, that's another really scary part of some of these libraries. Is like you want the API of your library to be really nice and really easy to use, and so you end up having to do these really weird singleton hacks and like global stuff, and just to make sure, like like SV Progress Hunt is a good example. Like I've definitely used that one in the past. Yeah. But, um, there are like I ran into a particular problem with it where or not with it, but with the concept of just a global loader where uh, one screen is loading and then maybe you tap to the next screen and then tap back, you want the loader to kind of go in and come back when you when that only when and only when that screen is visible. And it's like, it doesn't, it kind of lets you do that, but not really. Or another thing would be like a counter for like, and they did add functionality for this for saying like, oh, I have three network requests in flight and I only want one loader and, and I only want it to be dismissed when all three are done. And... So like the weird global stuff they do to make their APIs look really nice is sometimes scary as well. And that's something that you definitely want to check for in your sort of, is this solid code? Uh, let me rephrase that. Right. Like, does this meet the, oh yeah. Go ahead. And that's something <laughs> you definitely want to check for in your sort of initial evaluation about whether this is solid code that you actually want to ship in your application, right? Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page about like uh, at least taking a gander at like what's going on inside a, a library before we add it in, you know, thinking about uh, the implications of maintaining it. What if it goes away? How am I going to replace it? That kind of thing. Um, so I think my like last question for everyone would be how do we, like I see people all the time will ask a question about like, how do I do this thing? And instead of asking it like that, they will be like, which pod should I use for this thing? And I, I wish there was a nice way or like an easy way for me to like work with people to like, that's not the right, like that's not the right approach. Like think about what is the problem you're trying to solve? Go find the API for it. How hard is the API to work with? Like work through the problem yourself instead of immediately going to CocoaPods and like trying to find someone else's code that does this thing for you and like sub CocoaPods in for Carthage or whatever else in this example. It's always the same, uh, like the, the manager itself doesn't matter, but like how do we work as a community to get people to try and solve these problems and like increase the quality of like libraries and apps across the board? That's a really good question. Uh, I think 
depending on the team you're working on, right? If you're working on a team with a number of other people who aren't used to thinking like that, then uh, leading by example is a really good approach. Uh, that's a really good approach for a lot of things. I just had a really good conversation last week with one of my team members discussing the pros and cons of a specific library that he wanted to pull in uh, to achieve. I forget what we were even talking about, but it was a small library that he was wondering if we could pull in to solve some small problem. And uh, we sort of talked through the pros and cons and determined that, no, actually, this is something that we want to write a little bit of code to do ourselves and own internally. Uh, but with a lot, of, a lot of things, I think just like conversation and uh, leading by example is, uh, you know, maybe you make a, a small impact that way, but it is a really effective way to work through things like this. Uh, there's a tweet that really sums up my thoughts on how to approach that, which is a really comical, I think, thing to say, but, um, we'll put it in the show notes, but it says, uh, all programming methodologies implicitly devalue thought and that stuff is super worrying to me. And I don't know, to me, it's like, I think your question is a really important one, Caleb. And it's just like, how do we say, Hey, like your job as a programmer is to solve this problem and to kind of just jump to the first available quickest thing is, I don't know. I, I hate this line of thinking. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Well, guys. I, mean, I think as like someone new searching for a solution for something like, I don't know, I've never done this before. And you like come across a library that does exactly what you're trying to do. You're like, Oh great. Like that seems cool. Versus I feel like there's a lot less information like blog posts or whatever else to like explain like maybe you don't need all this stuff. You just need to understand how it works and you can do it. Like say, for example, you're trying to do like a, you know, like a custom camera or something like AV foundation is really hard to get started with. And you'd like, oh, I'll just pick up this library because I don't, you know, even know what I need to learn to make my own. Yeah. As, as someone's like starting out, I feel like that's a much easier solution or like copy and paste in some code from Stack Overflow than it is to like have someone explain it to you. If you're like just looking for information, you have to be like really resourceful uh, and there's just not a lot of stuff as the alternative to just like pulling this library you know right I, I i definitely went through the phase where i like pulled in a pod for every like behavior that i wanted for my thing and i kind of was burned by that by enough times that it like kind of informed how i think about that stuff now and i wouldn't be surprised if we kind of all went through stuff like that yeah i think i did pretty early on like i remember having like 20 or 30 cocoa pods and those each probably had their own cocoa pods <laughs> like you can go pretty deep with mm -hmm. that I do say, like, I think it's been kind of fun, like, starting out iOS, open source wasn't really a thing in our community at all. And so, like, a lot of my early code was looking at early CocoaPods and, like, hey, I need to solve this problem. How does this person do it? And, like, can I own that? And, like, looking at that and, like, trying to understand the code they wrote and then trying to see, like, oh, like, maybe I have to take it and do this one thing. I can make it better for my use case. And then that was the start of me like, okay, I'm going to write this thing myself because I looked at it, I understood it, and now I've learned something about the API and like now I'm more equipped to build that thing in the future if I needed to. I think that's a really good point. Like I've interviewed a couple of people this week or last week for my client that have never written Objective-C, which is pretty crazy. Like, wow. They started with Swift and that's all they've done. No and way. Then, uh, you know, they've, they have three years experience because like Swift has been out for a while now. It's pretty crazy. I mean, they're, they're good. Like they're solid engineers um so like when we started this wasn't a thing like you're saying so we just like did it all ourselves and then like starting to pull in like tons of pods and that came out like oh look how easy this is then it's like well maybe never mind let's go back to what we we're doing 
but I guess like this like next batch of developers like never had that first experience. So, you know, they're just reaching for what they've known, which is like grab a bunch of dependencies because it's easy. And I don't necessarily think that's bad. I, I think the bigger problems are, you know, like dynamic load time and, and all that stuff and not necessarily like just tons of dependencies. I mean, there's, there's clearly issues with that as well, but I, I think I'm more like uh, unfairly skewed to less dependencies just because that was my first experience. I think we all agree though that we should like, you know, be smart when picking dependencies and like they're not inherently bad. It's just like, you know, evaluate them you know, with whatever, you know, criteria and encapsulate them if possible. And that's kind of like the philosophy for point independencies. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So uh, the phrase not invented here, uh, our conclusions are it's uh, maybe not as negative an attitude as the uh, as the phrase makes it sound. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good summary. Well, this was our episode of Fatal Air and Runtime. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me online at Caleb D on Twitter. You can find me at Conlu, K-H-A-N-L-O-U. You can find me online at C Zombeck, and we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Sophus, S-O-F-F-E-S, and we will uh, see you next week on our respective episode podcast <laughs> feeds. Yep. This was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, this was absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks yeah. to the listeners. Bye. <laughs> cool.